Hello and welcome to our podcast, Changemakers Creating Impact for Wellbeing. We are your hosts, myself, Davina Ho, and Karen Kwong, co-founders of Corporate Wellness Partnership. Our mission is clear, to revolutionize well-being at work. We aim to challenge the status quo. Bored with poking around the edges of well-being at work, we want to demand real change within the workplace and empower people at the top, people with influence and people with stories like you to talk about your experiences of mental health, well-being and diversity. We will go deep. We will have uncomfortable conversations. But most importantly, we will have conversations that come from the heart. Welcome to our first season, Uncomfortable Conversations. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Uncomfortable Conversation. I'm Davina from Corporate Wellness Partnership, and I'm joined with my business partner, Karen Kwong. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's session. So today, I'm super excited to have with me in the podcast studio, Ella Hutton from Tea Tree. So today, we're going to be talking about the importance of preventative healthcare. Um, And Tea Tree have been founded in Singapore, where I am based, uh, and Ella is here with me in Singapore, and so is Karen. Luckily for us, she's made it from the UK to support the Singapore community, and this means everybody, not just organizations, but everybody's health in Singapore and looking at healthcare from a preventative angle. So in these conversations, we always like to explore, you know, uncomfortable areas that were, you know, that that need to be addressed within everyone's life as well as in the workplace. So Today, we will do a little bit of overview about Chi Tree, and then we'll dive into a lot of things about mental health within Singapore and globally about what's going on here. So first of all, I want to bring Ella into the picture. Hello, Ella. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, Thank you for joining us. So first of all, could you tell me a little bit about yourself, Mm -hmm. like your background, and uh, before we ask questions about Chi Tree? Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Ella. Um, I'm an organizational psychologist at Chi Tree Health. And um, I'm originally British, but uh, born and raised in Asia. So I consider Singapore home. Um, and uh, just a very exciting time to be doing what I do and what we do in this space, um, you know, post COVID. Um, so I'm very grateful to be working for a company that uh, is invested in not only mental health, but really health overall. Okay, and uh, tell me a little bit about how you ended up at Chi Tree. I'm super fascinated to know, like, you know, your journey and how you came into the area of preventative health. Was there a moment in your life where you were like, this is what I want to do? And Mm. there's a personal reason or maybe some other family reasons or, you know, let let us know why you joined. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess I always knew that I wanted to do psychology. I've always been interested in people and mental health. Um, But I guess at the start of my academic journey, looking back, I can admit that I was perhaps narrow minded um, and I was so sure that I wanted to pursue clinical psychology. Um, So really, uh, you know, treating uh, mental disorders and uh, my first few years at uni, I was going down that path. And it was actually only when I started working uh, in a psychiatric hospital 
back in the UK that things kind of changed. Uh, it was kind of a very pivotal turning point. Um, I kind of two sides to it. On one side, I saw a lot of clients who had become ill. Obviously, mental health is always confounded. There's always several factors at play, um, but had become ill and had had triggers stemming from the workplace. So I saw kind of, you know, high flying, successful professionals. Um, it was a you know private place and um, private hospital. And so I saw doctors, lawyers, bankers uh, who described workplace triggers. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Um, you know, we spend so much time at work over a third of our life. And I thought that's fascinating that and sad that this these issues are coming from somewhere where it should be a safe, um, a safe place. Um, and at the same time, I also saw colleagues, so mental health professionals who were struggling with the burden of caring for these people. Um, and it made me kind of, I became very interested in more organizational mental health and how, uh, you know, not just at the severe end of the spectrum when people fall very ill and then it's, you know, there's um, a lot of, a lot of things that need to be done to kind of to get them back to health. But actually, what can we do at the more proactive end of the spectrum um, to stop people from getting there in the first place? So that's how I became interested, long story short, in organisational psychology. Went back to uni, uh, changed all my modules from clinical to organisational, and then uh, went and did my postgrad in organisational psychiatry and psychology. Okay, wow, mm. what a journey. Mm. And <laughs> I picked up something there uh, that was quite relevant to my next question was uh, you were talking about people with high-flying careers and jobs. Karen and I have background in finance. I also know the founders of Chi Chi have a background in mm. finance as well. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the founders and their mission and vision for setting up Chi Chi as well. Yeah, so our founders uh, knew each other in their kind of former life from a finance background. And I guess a combination of factors, um, you know, frustrations through personal journeys um, of kind of, instances where conventional medicine um, unfortunately failed uh, in, in some ways. And uh, I mean, one of the founders uh, had a personal experience of a family member who uh, became ill and uh, kind of went, found health uh, through this journey of kind of functional medicine and preventive, and then, you know, going more towards preventive healthcare. Um, and, you know, when you're, I think the navigation through that, I mean, this particular individual actually became certified as a health coach um, because they were struggling to find the navigation to better health. And I think, you know, when people are sick, um, it, they shouldn't have to navigate themselves. You know, there should be systems in place to formally, you know, some formal navigation to help them get better. Um, and so I think that's, that was definitely a, a, a strong influence. Um, but also, I think, you know, just generally um, traditional healthcare is, you know, it's a very standard experience. And sometimes, unfortunately, it can be an unenjoyable one. And what we want to do at Chi Tree Health is kind of be relevant, not only for people who, um, you know, for people who are losing their health, not just people who have lost it, um, because we're all human and we therefore can all get sick. Um, and so preventive healthcare is kind of gaining a lot of traction. Um, and it's a really ballooning movement in the US actually, it's growing like a weed in the US. And, uh, you know, considering Asia is kind of 
where you know traditional you know, TCM started and Ayurvedic medicine. Um, it's almost surprising that it's not here, and uh, it's not fair that it's not here. You know, um, it's you know corporates need it, uh, Singapore needs it, and a more informed population need it. So, absolutely. So, tell me a little bit about the. Um, types of health cultures and functional mm. medicine people you have at Chi Tree, yeah. their backgrounds, what type of services they offer. Yes. Um, yeah, just a little bit mm. more would be, would give myself and all of the stuff, yes. I think a bit more, more information on, on. Absolutely. So we, what I love about Chi Tree is we have a multidisciplinary team of professionals. Um, so I'm an org psych. I'm currently the only psych on our, psychologist on our team. We have naturopath, we have dietitian, nutritionist, health coach. Um, we very much recognize that, you know, I think in Singapore, with kind of preventive health, there are some incredible practitioners. Um, there are some very kind of well-meaning, brilliant individuals in this space. Um, but what tends to be the case is that they, they work, um, it's a referral kind of based in industry and they work um, independently and I think from experiences I've heard, people do end up being bounced around a little bit, a bit of a hot potato situation. And uh, what we are trying to do is integrate, provide an integrative service, um, recognizing that different people have different needs. And uh, as much as it's, you know, you know, you can go from one person to another, at Chi Tree, we have everything you know, in one place, uh, that's what we hope to have. And obviously if referrals need to be made, that's fine. But um, for me, that's the real um, joy of working at Chi Tree is that I don't feel as a practitioner, um, I'm alone. I have other practitioners with different, uh, different specialties. And it also kind of comes into that whole thing of, you know, not treating mental health and physical health as being totally separate, um, but actually, uh, you know, hopefully what I do uh, can help my colleagues and absolutely what my colleagues do helps me because if I have a client um, and there's foundational issues you know we our pillars cover things like sleep diet um, exercise and if those foundational things aren't there from a physical health standpoint then it's very hard for me to do my job so we work together that's yeah. a great thing and this is what I love and there's one word that you use which is super important I think when it comes to healthcare and um, is integrative approach right yes that physical and mental side both are aligned right and absolutely chi like, tree is probably one of the very few if not only places i know of in singapore offering something that combines those those services so um we're going to dive in a little bit more now onto i guess the more psychological side since that's your background mm. I know Chitri does a lot of diagnostic mm -hmm. and the physical side yeah but let's dive into a little bit about um let's take stress right mm. so the, there is the physical aspects of stress and there is the mental aspect of stress right so um what has been your um approach when dealing with these people with high-flying careers and their stress mm. that leads to burnout mm. what 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 have you been what have you been seeing and then how have you been helping and managing that? Okay, yeah, good question. So I guess it's it's definitely changed from uh, my days working at the hospital. Um, you know, at that time, uh, the way that I worked with clients was very different um, because it was almost, uh, you know, backtracking a little bit and uh, kind of kind of having to pedal back and say, okay, what, what went wrong? What happened here? 
Um, because one of the things that I heard a lot that kind of uh, kind of stuck with me for a while was uh, this kind of idea of I never thought this would happen to me. So people who did have stressful jobs, you know, they were stressed, but they thought they were managing it and, uh, you know, they were not always on top of it, but they never expected that it would get that much of a hold of them. Um, and this kind of, I never thought this would happen to me, how did I get here narrative was very striking. Um, can I just interrupt mm. you there, just, just so we can clarify for the audience, what did that mean? Like, what did yes. that look like behaviorally or mentally or whatever? Because we can sit there and go mm. after the event, oh, I didn't realize I was stressed. Yes. But in the moment, what if you were sort of a fly on the wall, what would you say you would have observed, whether it's behaviors, mindsets, or the way they talk to people? You know, what, what were you seeing? What, what could people see, I suppose? In hindsight? Yeah. Denial, uh, I would say, is one thing. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking that we are invincible. Um, and this is, this, that's, that's something that's common with physical and mental health, right? If you are human, you can get sick, whether it's physically or mentally. And that's something, that's the uncomfortable thing, is that nobody wants to think about getting sick um, in the same way that you know, no one wants to think about writing a will. You know, yeah. it's, it's something that's, it is uncomfortable and um, is in a way taboo or, you know, um, it's something people procrastinate. So definitely denial and thinking that that they, despite being stressed, despite being overwhelmed in their careers, that they could push through. But also sometimes, I think when we were prepping for this call, mm. I remember you used this expression where your body was whispering to you something was wrong. So, exactly. And then after a while, it would be screaming. And, you know, by then it's almost too late. Totally. And I mean, I'll yes. give you an example. So I coached um, a CEO of a fintech startup. So high pressure, high stakes. Mm. And he said, I really need some help. And I said, OK, you know, and, and basically he was just making some incredibly bad decisions. Mm. But he couldn't recognize that. And I said, oh, you know, how are you in general? Mm. And he said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't speak very well. And it feels like I have a hangover every day. And I said to him, do you drink a lot? Mm. I don't drink at all, he said. But he said, I feel like I have a hangover every day. And I turned around and said to him, how often, when you were drinking, did you make good decisions on a day that you woke up with a hangover? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I wouldn't make any decisions on that day. So I said, you're the CEO of this startup where you're raising billions with, millions, sorry, with, you know, um, VCs. Mm. And you're telling me that every day you're going to make good decisions with this constant hangover mm. and his body was screaming at him yeah he obviously wasn't hearing the whispers started so i just wanted to no, know you're what right. your thoughts are i do love that like we that. do we use that at cheat tree a lot actually is that um you know I'm, I'm of the mindset that our our bodies and minds are pretty intuitive um and they will give us signs and symptoms will manifest and i think um you know, it's, it can be easy and that we hustle and bust of everyday life. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got things going on. It can be easy to ignore these things, um, especially if it just starts as, you know, small niggling things. And that's what we, how we say it is, you know, your body will start to whisper things to you. And at the beginning, it might not seem like a big deal um, and you can kind of brush it off, um, but it's trying to tell you something, right? It's, it's giving you a message that, hey, something's not quite right here. And the problem is the whispering becomes louder and louder 
And eventually you you're not giving your body or mind a choice. It, it has to somehow get the message through to you. So it's going to start shouting and screaming. And I guess, yeah, that's what I saw, you know, with clients at this hospital is in hindsight, they could think, oh yeah, I did have that. And oh, there was this, but actually it was the denial that actually, you know, the idea that you're invincible and that you, you can push through that. But, um, and, you know, largely we are, we're very resilient. It's not to say that we just like succumb to these, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is, but we are resilient, but we are also, in my opinion, not unbreakable. And uh, we need to listen to our bodies and minds. And if, if there are messages that are coming through, they're there for a reason. I think part of the problem also is that when we look at, say, a diagnosis, you know, typical signs that mm. you're stressed or burnt out or whatever, mm -hmm. I think there's this sort of arguably human arrogance that, well, I'm either A or B, and B happened yes. overnight. Right. But what I'm hearing you're saying, and definitely from Davina, she talks a lot about it, the somatic experience, all of that, mm. is that actually it's very gradual. So it's the whispers get louder. Mm. But, you know, so you, as you said, you ignore the first whisper, mm. maybe the second whisper, mm. and then it becomes very, very loud. And, you know, going back to, circling back to one of the things you said beforehand about, you know, people going to hospitals, et cetera, is yes. that we live in a society where we fix things yeah. as opposed to prevent yeah. and if we look at stats around people who have been burnt out if you've been burnt out not even heavily burnt out but if, you, if you've been burnt out it typically takes minimum three years to recover from burnout so you can go back to work and mm -hmm. all sorts of things mm -hmm. yeah. but in terms of how you deal with other stressors etc yes um you know it, and because people typically think they can just jump back in. Mm. It's like if you've broken a leg, you have to do the physio and mm. you have to keep doing it. And that that leg will always be a little bit weak, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, but people don't think like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting that, you you know, you mention this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's it's it applies to organisations, too. So, you know, going back to your question about, um, you know, approaches to stress. I mean, what I saw at the hospital was more on an individual level, but even organizations, you know, um, things can come up that, that signal to an organization that something's awry, right? And I sometimes I describe it to clients as, uh, you know, your organization is bleeding. Um, so it doesn't have to be an individual, it can be the organization as a whole that is bleeding. And, uh, you know, you can stick a bandage on it. So you can kind of, you know, ignore that whisper and kind of just, you know, a bit of self-care and a bit of this, bit of that. Um, and the bandage might, you know, temporarily stop the bleeding or, you know, at least slow it down. But actually, if you haven't gone to the root source and actually a lot of functional medicine, that, you know, that's what it is. It's looking at the root, the root cause. Um, and if you, you know, can't stop it at its, at its source, then it will continue to bleed. Um, so I guess that is, uh, you know, one of my approaches as an org psych, I guess I kind of put the onus back on organizations. Having seen what I've seen, you know, you can be the best person at managing stress. Um, the fact that I saw it in my colleagues who are mental health professionals, but if there are the wrong circumstances or if your organization is not conducive to mental health, things can, you know, things can go wrong. Um, so I do tend to put the onus on organizations and, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, tick box kind of fly fishing, kind of scratching the surface and getting the hook just under the water. But actually now, you know, we can go deep trawling. There are things that you can do. 
um, at a much deeper level um, to make mental health a priority and to put it on the agenda for your organization. And that's kind of, that's my current kind of what I'm looking to do with my clients is not just focus on the individuals and, you know, uh, yes, we can do things, you know, workshops and uh, develop resilience, but also as an organization, how can we make the whole organization more resilient and proactively look at mental health? I think that's right. You know, there's this thing where Davina and I feel so strongly that self-care is absolutely vital. Do yes. not get me wrong. Yes, absolutely. But if you are a plant and you work, you know, you live in an environment mm. that you're not watered and, you know, there's no sunlight and it's very harsh conditions. Yes. Then no matter how strong a plant you are and you self-care, you don't necessarily, you, you won't thrive if the environment doesn't help you. Totally. So then on that note, though, what is there, I suppose, that what is stopping people from, from, from taking preventive care more seriously? Yeah, I think there are a few, a few barriers. Um, I mean, even for me, so as an org site coming into Chi Tree, it's been fascinating because I'm not an expert in the um, you know, functional medicine side of things. That's been something that I've learned, you know, that's why I'm grateful to be part of this, my team. Um, I think I've actually become healthier as a result of working at Chi Tree, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the barriers, I mean, you know, is, is education. And I think uh, as much, you know, people don't always know that there are um, things that can be done, you know, uh, whether it's lifestyle or whatever it is that you can, you have control over um, that can be done to, you know, to stop you again from, from getting sick in the first place. Um, I think, yes, it's definitely some people um, have not kind of entered the preventive health space. I think some people are, I mean, just the other day I was, I read that, you know, um, Aura, the ring, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing my wearable now, but Aura have just sold their millionth ring. So people are taking an interest in health and preventive health. Um, and, you know, obviously there's lots of mental health apps as well. Um, but either out of necessity, so, you know, the cost of living with, with chronic illness or out of just general interest of wanting to feel better, I think are, are kind of reasons people are starting to look at it. But for sure, there are still barriers. And I think one of, one of them is that in, in our context in, in Singapore and in Asia, um, it's, it's still something that's being developed in terms of how we can make health more preventive. Um, and especially, you know, aging populations and a main, you know, major thing we look at at Chi Tree is longevity um, as well. So it's how can we not only, um, you know, increase lifespan, but also health span. So how long you live without disease, again, whether that's physical health or mental health. Um, so it's, it's really living better for longer. That's one of our main mottos. Let me give you a example of my kind of high-flying clients yes, right so male mid 40s mm. 50s mm. young family youngish family right kids are at school still yeah um travel a lot now even maybe less during covid times but now we're back to traveling yeah. um they're super active they're fit they're yeah. going to the gym yes. two or three times a week you maybe don't watch what they eat um so well but you know they're you know, they, they see preventative health as only exercise. Mm. Um, 
they have no skills or anything on mm-hmm. in terms of managing their mental health, right? The stresses of their job, yeah. the travel, the family, yeah. balancing all of that. Mm. What would be the three things that you would say to that person? Like, this is what you need to do now to prevent the heart attack, the stroke, the the the, the breakdowns, the nervous breakdown, the burnout, you know, Gosh. all of these things yeah. that are then now the chronic illnesses that we are kind of facing yeah, yeah. as we kind of move towards that yeah. 50, 60, 70 year old, you know, um, yeah. span of our, of our life. Yeah. That's a great question. And um, I mean, the first thing I would say is, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to, without knowing the person, I think rec- our recommendations at Tree Tree, I mean, the first thing we'd say is, you know, we need, um, it starts with the evidence. So, you know, blood tests, um, you know, targeted testing um, to find out, you know, the current health status. Um, because what we do is that our programs are kind of, any interventions are very personalized. Um, so it's looking at you as an individual and, um, you know, coming up with a personalized program that is gonna help you specifically. Um, so gosh, three things I would tell that person, uh, you know, seek support. Um, I think in Singapore and in, in Asia more generally, um, you know, again, uh, mental illness is associated with, uh, you know, or, or even seeing a therapist is associated with being ill. Um, and that's kind of, I tend to use mental uh, well-being or just well-being in general, because it's, it's just opening up the space for everybody. Um, and uh, you know, nobody should feel that they can't seek help. So if, if this, you know, if this client was, um, was struggling with anything like that, I would say the first thing would be to seek help and see, you know, see a practitioner, see a professional who can guide you in the right direction, um, and give you that targeted support. Because I think, you know, employees are asking more of their employers, um, but sometimes, you know, organizations don't have all the solutions, um, and sometimes it can be more generic and not the targeted, precise intervention that that individual needs. Um, so that would be that would be the main thing, to be honest. That I would say, and then everything else, the next steps come from that. Come from looking at you as an individual and really identifying your needs. Um, and I mean, that's that's you know, this is something that is relevant for everyone. Um, you know, our target audience at Cheetree is everybody because everybody can get sick, as I've said. And I think, you know, it's a lot of entrepreneurs trying to do things. Um, and if there's a need and a calling and the target audience is everybody, it seems like a pretty worthwhile cause. Um, so that's, that's what I would say to your client is, is don't be afraid to seek the right support yeah and from there things can be put in place yeah. to make everything easier yeah. and i love that it goes back to what you said at the start about mm. an integrated health right? mm. deal with your mental well-being yeah. first yeah and then get the diagnostics and the tools that yes. you need to have that preventative health care going yes. forward right? yes. rather than wait until the you know the heart attack or the stroke Absolutely. or whatever illness that arises yeah. right in. And people are curious. I mean, you know, Dr. Google gets billions of <laughs> health questions a day. So people are curious and people will sit there and, you know, Google away. But it's it's the step of actually saying, OK, I'm going to go and see someone now. And of course, there are barriers um, to doing that. Um, 
But I think that here, especially in Asia, and I think our companies now here are helping to break that, particularly in an organizational yes. um, place, the stigma of mental illness, mm -hmm. mental health, and mental well-being, right? And they're very different categories yes. that people confuse here because of the lack of education. And I think that it does belong in an organization to distinguish where is the boundary between what we are responsible for, generally that's stress and burnout, Actually, and yeah. where do the professionals need to come in, right? Yes. And that's more deep, you know, thing, whether it's trauma or post-traumatic stress disorder yes. or, you know, whatever it is, like, then they need external help, but organization systems should support that. Completely. Maybe. Yeah, well-being in organizations is no longer kind of nice to have, like, you know, bonus. It really is, uh, you know, I think we've, we've called it before the emotional backpack. Um, you know, when your employees come into work, they don't leave their backpack of everything happening in their life kind of at the front door. They bring that to the office. And, you know, we, I think we've talked about this. It's not meaning they're going to, you know, be crying in the office every day, but it's this acknowledgement from organizations that your employees are human beings um, and they, everyone has their own things going on. And if, you know, well-being is not uh, embedded into your culture and that, you know, work starts to become something that causes your employee's backpack to overflow, um, you will lose, you know, lose top talent. And that's kind of, that's a message to organizations as well. Um, that, you know, there's a, there's obviously there's many different reasons for prioritizing well-being. Um, but now it's definitely, it's a non-negotiable, no. which I think is good. <laughs> I don't, no, absolutely agree. And but from your perspective, because I think a lot of organizations do offer EAP mm. and, and, you know, they talk a lot about culture and things yes. like that. So, you know, so many of them have fruit baskets yes. or, you know, access to meditation apps, etc. Yeah. Um, would you say as an org site, that's enough to counter you know, kind of stress and burnout? Because that's usually what's being offered by people. No, I, I don't think it's enough. I think it, it absolutely can help. I'm not saying don't have a fruit basket. No, have a fruit basket, you know, have the yoga classes. Um, but it, it is not sufficient. Having a mental health day in your organisation does not mean you have a mental health strategy. It's not that easy. Um, that is, unfortunately, a tick box. Um, and I think that it, it might sound harsh, but it, I think it needs to be said because uh, I, it just doesn't cut it. Uh, and I think COVID has really shined a spotlight on that as well. Um, and you no know, more needs to be done. And it, you know, it's it's looking much much deeper. Um, and this is why I feel that you know what I do as an org psych aligns so nicely with Chi Tree is there are ways you can measure um, and test these things, and uh, you know tracking uh, health of your organization, of an individual, uh, and, that, and that goes much, much deeper than these kind of yoga classes, which I'm not saying, you know, they are lovely. I would, you know, love, love to go to a yoga class um, at the beginning of my work day, but we do need more as well. Don't worry, Emma. I'm, I'm, despite being a yoga <laughs> meditation teacher, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. That I'm kind of fed up actually of the clients that are like, let's just do a monthly, yoga or meditation session and that the well-being in our office is done <laughs> we can advertise that we do this yeah that's not integrating well-being into day-to-day -day operations yes that's simply just 
one very small piece of helping people manage totally. their or giving them experiences of yoga but once a month is yes. not going to change yeah. anything yeah. right and I, I, you know I, I what I love to see in organizations is that um, well-being at work is from whenever you arrive in the office yes. till you finish right so yes. the mindful meetings right the and and the discussions right yes. on how people are feeling the emotions in the office right you know and I always use this example of um, you know if somebody's acting bizarrely in a meeting acting rash yeah. stressed out you don't know what a person's carrying unless you've asked right at the start mm. of the meeting how is everyone today mm -mm -mm. right and and I know the culture just now is for everyone to say I'm okay but if you can sit there and say well actually it's been a pretty bad week you know yes. um, dealing with something at home or a relative is sick or there's something going on yeah then you have perspective totally. of that whole person mm -hmm. and what that person is arriving at this meeting to to right and these are very very simple things it's human to human interaction and I find that organizations just are like it's business and that's it yeah whereas the there needs to be that mindset shift that it is business but that person sitting across from you is also a human being completely and I think even you know with COVID especially and you know hybrid working and the boundaries between work and life becoming increasingly blurred I think what I do as an org psych and kind of organizational well-being uh in general it's almost it's transcending the organization because um, you know, even if a, a you know employee goes home at the end of the day, if something's happened at work that's been a trigger or that's been difficult, that goes into their home. They bring that to the dining table. Um, so as much as you know what I do is in the context of organisations, I think um, it kind of it pervades beyond that now. And people people do bring it home, and it, it affect that person's night and therefore how they arrive at the office the next day. Um, so yeah, completely agree. I think yeah. it's a it's a real fact that it is a little bit of both. Mm. I remember very arrogantly when I first started with my first coaching client saying, and it was this lady who wanted a promotion. Oh, no, no, she was, could have got a promotion, but was basically underperforming. Okay. So I was to coach her. And the first thing she said to me when we went into the room was, I know why I'm here. I'm underperforming and therefore probably out of the running for the promotion. But let me just share with you, my husband is an alcoholic. My mother is an alcoholic. So that's why I'm underperforming. Mm. And I was sitting there thinking, right, we should be able to just deal with, you know, her and her promotion stuff. And I was like, no, I can't leave any of that behind. Right. This is a fact. This is what's happening. Yeah. And until we recognize that, as you say, people bring things home, but people from home bring things to the workplace, um, you know, you can't just drop things off but also mm. quite often the things that are people's strengths are also the things if they're stressed mm. are in overdrive so yes. you probably hired someone for being hyper creative let's yes. just say and if they're stressed they become overly creative mm -hmm. possibly mm -hmm. and so even if you wanted to turn it off and say put your human bits aside mm. you're like no because you hired them specifically for that talent and Very skill silly. Yeah. Um, so, it, as you say, it's really important for organisations to recognise that. Yes. But how do we get them to make that shift? Because as it is, they would argue we've got our EAPs, mm. we've got our yoga classes, etc. What would you, when you work with clients, how can you incentivise them? Yes. Because they would probably say it's too expensive, yeah, or it's too yeah. difficult. Yeah. Like 
you know, Davina and I are just so keen to change and shift that mindset because it doesn't have to be any of those things. But from your perspective, I won't do the top three things that Davina asked, but kind of what are your top three tips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, you're totally right. I mean, often organizations listen. They're very happy to listen and have the conversation, but it's okay. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't, I wouldn't have a job (laughs) otherwise. So it's a good thing, but it's, it's that next step of acting upon it and the willingness to actually do something about it because it's not easy. And, um, you know, because of the way I work, you know, sometimes it can be difficult there are you know yes financial you know reasons or just the change is too scary or too big um but I think you know there's the incentives are um just totally outweigh and I mean you know there's the obvious things like increased productivity and vitality um and you know retaining the talent that you work so hard to get in the first place so that hyper creative person um and but there's there's more than that and I think uh the incentives now um for both you know looking after the mental health and physical health of your employees is is basically is protecting your greatest asset right is depending on what your company but your people um and having employees that are genuinely uh, passionate about what they do and want to do the best for you for your company um, and I think that's I guess again where Chi Tree comes in is hopefully you know the, the incentive we have is that we can look at it from a very holistic picture in terms of you know every employee might have different needs um, whether it's mental health or physical health and uh, the incentive is the outcome you know you know, lower insurance a technical level you know lower insurance premiums um but actually it's it's having people who um are invested in your business and are invested in themselves and in becoming better versions of themselves healthier happier versions of themselves and therefore that will shine through in their work and in um in your company in your organization as well i mean essentially what you're saying is you're setting them up for success. Yes. I yes. mean, if you give Good them a poor yeah. environment, yeah. then you're not, you're actually wasting money by yeah. paying people because you're burning them out. It's a formula, right? What you yeah. put in yeah. comes out. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Well, so we're running a little bit low on time. So mm-hmm. one final question for you mm-hmm. is where do you think Cheat Tree will be? And what's your vision for the next three to five years in the Singapore ecosystem that you're based in? Gosh, what a question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, uh, on kind of looking at what we do kind of overall, I think it's really um, bringing preventive health out of the house and making it more mainstream and accessible and you know we really emphasize this we are in no way you know trying to replace or you know um you know conventional medicine traditional medicine it's very much you know doctors there's a great series in the uk doctor in the house i don't know if you saw it but the doctors have you know 10 minutes with a with a patient and there's so much that goes on behind those doors and uh we think that you know this is a an area where um you know, as, as I said it's ballooning in the US and there's so much potential um you know there, there was a New York Times article called you know it was uh, why everyone needs a health coach 
um, because everyone can benefit from this stuff. And that's why it's so hard to narrow down to, well, who's our you know, target audience? No, it's everyone. And I think um, our ambition would be to, to show the case for that and to provide a really complementary service um, for traditional healthcare that allows people to take control of their health, again, physically or mentally, and uh, you know, set themselves up for a healthier, happier life. Wow, I really see Teach being the future of bringing that to Singapore and so. organizations and people who really, really need it. And, and we all need it, right? Mm. I mean, I 100% agree with you. So I really love the innovative combination of, you know, working on the physical side and the diagnostics and then on the, yes. you know, mental health side as well, where yes. you're, you're bringing that prevention from from now, not, not when, yes. you know, conventional medicine, like you said, very much treats the the, yeah, the, a fire drill. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, we do. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. at the at the at the, the back end. Yeah, you're very much at the front end. Yeah, like start now and, and integrated now because that's possible to do now. Yeah. And you know, tech is it's not the end game, but it's an an enabler. Absolutely. And uh, you know, at Tree Tree, we use it you know for good and 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 to track people um, for, for all of those reasons. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank it was an uncomfortable me. conversation this morning. It's been super fascinating discussion, learning more about you and learning more about the company Tree Tree. And um, I, I look forward to having more uncomfortable conversations. Yes, it's so Tree lovely Tree. to be able to sit here and do this together after so long. Yes, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. much.